Welcome to the podcast, Most People Don't But You Do, where we have stories and conversations about people that are exceptional, people that go above and beyond, people that are doing, taking intent and turning it into action. Today's guest is no exception to that rule. Proud to be able to introduce Julia Healy. Julia is the president and CEO of United Charitable. They are an organization that is based in Northern Virginia. We're going to get into what she is doing, uh, what the organization is doing, what she is doing to be a change maker, to help organizations that are trying to do good for others, how they're helping charitable organizations. Julia has been in the role of CEO and president since 2019. She joined United Charitable in 2010. And what's really cool, and we're going to get into this in a moment, she has a financial background. One of the first conversations that I had with her, I said, Julia, you're a leader of a terrific nonprofit organization. Did you ever envision that you were going to be doing that? So we're going to get into all of those questions and more. My name is Bart Berkey. I'm the founder of Most People Don't. We are thrilled that you are joining us. Our podcast recently recognized as the top 15% most shared podcast in the world. That's all the talking that I'm going to be doing. Julia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Very much appreciate being here. And it just makes me realize the importance of networking and connection. Connections, I had the pleasure of meeting a few of your colleagues at a Chamber of Commerce event here in Northern Virginia Instantly, I was drawn to their energy, to what they were doing. They started telling me a little bit more about United Charitable. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to learn more. Set up a call, talk with you. And immediately, Julia, I knew I wanted you to be a guest on our podcast. I'd like to actually start kind of at the beginning of growing up. And did you think that you were ever going to be the CEO and president of an organization, or were you fascinated with numbers? Can you just tell us a little bit about the when and the where of growing up and what that looked like? Yeah. So I was always good at math. So that has always been a passion of mine, but no, I never thought I was going to grow up and be anything like the, the CEO of a nonprofit. I was very lucky. Both my parents are super individuals and have their own passions and really were able to express their passions. My mom is a New Jersey school teacher and my dad was a, is an actuary and was on Wall Street for many years. So I had the best of both worlds. And so we really were able to kind of pursue any kind of passion I wanted, which was really kind of helpful being an only child. And I don't, the, the only, all the things that are an only child has, like I do have the syndrome. I don't know if I necessarily would consider myself a leader, but I was the kid on the playground because I didn't have a brother and sister that would organize the games. Can you play shark at the pool? This is how I want to play. So I was always kind of the one in charge. Yeah. But yeah, no, I did not expect. I started my career as a financial advisor. I really thought my whole life was going to be helping people retire and really feel comfortable with their money. I went to left Jersey and went to American University mm-hmm. in DC with a degree in finance and accounting, really being kind of the love of my life. But yeah, so no, I never really expected to be. Yeah, how fun. And I love that you shared being an only child that you were essentially not only in charge, but you were encouraging others to participate. Because I guess if you didn't step out and ask people, you'd be hanging out in the pool playing Marco Polo solo. And I had a mom who was like, go make friends. <laughs> I'm not entertaining you. So like, yeah. Out. yeah. And so when let's talk about the high school days, did you know that you wanted to leave the New Jersey area, come to Washington, D.C.? Tell us about how that transpired. So I knew that I wanted to leave New Jersey just for the experience of it. And DC was not what I thought it was going to be. So I applied haphazardly to American on the common application. I don't know if you know what the common application is. It's one application where you can check off and apply to each schools at once. So I was being what I thought very efficient in applying for schools because you just check the box and you pay one application. 
again, it was more of an efficiency thing, me being a wonderful 16-year-old going, oh, if you can do five schools on one application, let's do it that way. Um, And I got into it and it was not my first choice. I really wanted to go to Clemson. Um, And so I, but my mom was like, go visit DC and being a northerner, right? You think New York is the city, but Philly is the love, like Philadelphia is the love of my life, right? I'm a huge everything Philadelphia, but that's where I spent a lot of time growing up. And so I didn't really consider, this is so rude, but I didn't consider DC like a real city. I just considered it like, oh, okay, like where you go on school trips. Yeah. It doesn't have the same, you're not having the skyscrapers. There's not necessarily a set financial district. There's not a billion cabs. It is what nothing higher than the capital built in the whatever hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> it looks different. It does. It does. It. I've never actually thought about that, Julia. But you're right. It doesn't look or feel like a city that you would compare to a Chicago, a New York, a Philadelphia, a Boston. So I'm with you 100. percent And so I go to. So my parents are like, "No, go check out American though." And I was like, okay, fine. And I go in and I realized that American was this perfect little place where it's kind of outside of the city, but you can get to the city, Georgetown, Adamsport, you can get to all these places, DuPont Circle. And it was just, so it was just an amazing place that felt so alive with so many young people that, and that wanted to make the world a better place. And I really kind of gotten dragged to the passion of American is an incredibly liberal school with people protesting and passionate. And I wasn't used to that. I wasn't used to so many people being vocal about their political views or how they want the world to be a better place or how are they unhappy with the current situation. And I kind of really loved the energy of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it would be a really great experience for me to really kind of grow into my next self. Yeah. Did you feel that you were being stifled? Maybe is not the right word. Were you being held back in any way? And maybe it was culturally, maybe it was environmentally that you couldn't express your desire to contribute, to be vocal, to make the world a better place. That's funny that you say it like that, because I don't know if I've thought about it like that, but I would say definitely because, you know, you come with your high school friends. Yeah. I was with friends who were same class from kindergarten all the way through my senior year. And I had a certain role in that school. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I knew my role. And so it was, okay, if I'm going to be different, here we go. If I'm going to get to, I've always loved the idea of reinventing yourself. And mm-hmm. you'll, if you meet any of my staff members, you'll know I change office space. I change just as many things as I can about every six months, because I really love this idea of feeling who you are now. Because this whole idea that we're going to be the same person forever just bothers me. So I, I want people to embrace the people that they become. So yeah, that was definitely a factor. I couldn't, there was no way. My family's super close in Jersey. Like the whole family was, I work Italian, we're Italian, and we all grew up within a mile of each other. Like there was a lot of togetherness. Yeah. And we're going to, what I love about these conversations, Julia, is that we just went from very two-dimensional conversations you know, t- where did you grow up? I was the only child. I was looking at school. And then all of a sudden, and I love this, within the first couple of minutes, you were and en- you enabled us to go very deep about, I always want to reinvent yourself. I believe that feeling who you are now is important. I want to make sure that we are changing. We're identifying. We're amazing. And I want to do- definitely dive more into that here. Um, but that's what's really very special about these conversations, that if I saw you uh, at a chamber event, I'm probably only going to get to talk to you about, oh, so tell me about United Charitable. But what's cool about this is we are learning as an executive of a nonprofit what makes you tick. I want to get into you finish school, you, you have multiple degrees. What is your first job out of school upon graduation? Was it in finance? I was a financial advisor for Hartford. Okay. And how many years did you do that? Okay. And then was there another role after that before you joined United Charitable? How did the how did your exposure and becoming joined with United Charitable happen? 
So I decided I wanted to go back and get my MBA. Mostly, though, because I thought I was going to be, I wanted to sit for my CFA, which is Chartered Financial Analyst. So I thought I would, I wanted to be a hedge fund. I was going to go back to New York. I'm 25, oh, I'm 23 at this point. Yeah, 24. And I was like, okay, this is my life, right? Like, I I played outside of my home enough. New York is where I'm going to go back and all these things. And then, like, (laughs) I joke about this all the time. Then you meet a man. Mm Mm-hmm. I met my my husband now, but he was my boyfriend then. And and I decided to go back for my MBA. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a job at the easiest place so I can go to school at night. What is the easiest job a person can have? This was honestly my feelings. And I'm profit. I didn't think, because it wasn't in my head and in my, in my younger self, I didn't think it was profit-driven. I didn't think you were going to have quotas like I did with the financial advising. Yeah. I didn't think it was like super technical at all. I was like, you're not going to have to mem- to be a financial advisor. You had to get all your tests and you had to memorize products and you had to memorize mutual funds and strategies and tax codes and all these things. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just take an easy job and then I'll go get my MBA mm-hmm. and figure out okay, what's the next part of my life, right? Because And I took a job in a nonprofit. And that was that is United Charitable. It was the parent com- It was the parent company, and then eventually that went away, and United Charitable was born. Yeah, and you started eventually, or you molded into—that's not the right word. You grew into the CFO role with United mm-hmm. Charitable. When did you realize that working for a nonprofit was more complicated than you had imagined? <laughs> Probably as soon as I started realizing, it seems like maybe six months into the job when I was like, what do you mean you have to register in every state? What do you mean this 990 is one of the most complicated tax documents that you've ever had to file? What do you, wait, what do you mean you have to receive? What do you mean different efforts have different tax deductibilities? And I, it was just such an, a bomb went off when I was like, oh, this is an incredibly regulated business mm-hmm. that is taking public funds that has a variable income stream, right? I'm not selling a product, right? So if my Stanley Cups aren't doing well, like or predictive revenue, no, you're really, you're really talking to people about why giving is important and why they should set up their family legacy plan and how do they want to weave that into the next generation? Why is giving important? How do they want the world to be a better place? And I was like, oh, this is so different than I thought it was going to be. But I got very excited about it because I did have all the finance background Mm -hmm. and I got to start to really use my people skills and kind of my passion about just the world. And not even, it's not, it's it's funny because it's not even my passion about the world. It's my passion about seeing the light inside of other people Mm. that I get drawn to still every single day. Okay. And I'd like to learn a little bit more about that. Because as we're talking, I'm taking notes. I know our listeners are talking. Again, thank you, Julia, for sharing so much already with us. This is the second or the third time that you had referenced wanting to make the world a better place. You're going to American University. You saw the energy, a lot of vocal individuals and others that wanted to make the world a better place. And you referenced that it might not necessarily be your passion to make the world a better place, but you said seeing the light inside of others. Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that and how it makes you feel? When you start to talk to somebody about their legacy or how they want the world to be a better place, you can hear it in their voice. You can see it in the, their body language. You can just see it in, in in the passion. Like there's just so much. And I guess that I didn't expect it. I don't know how else to say that. So one of my first clients, this is a funny story, but one of my first clients was, we're doing a life insurance policy. They're leaving a life insurance policy to the foundation. We're setting it all up. And he's, yeah, you know what? I'm leaving my money to Ducks Unlimited. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. You're going to save the ducks. I'm like, oh, pro animal, like all these things. And in my, we never judge anybody's passion, right? That's a big thing about working for United Charitable is that your passion is your passion and we're just here to honor it. And so I was like, okay, cool ducks and all of these things. And I go and look and Ducks Unlimited actually preserves hunting grounds. So for hunters, 
And then he explained his whole thing that he remembers growing up. And this was a 70 year old man. He remembers growing up and his dad teaching him how to hunt and they went to hunt ducks. And then he did it for his kids and then his kids did it for his kids and how they talked about the family time and what it is to be able to teach something and a viable skill and how it brought the family together. And I thought to myself, if I can be a part of this, if the world can be a, a very hard place, right? There's a lot negative, there's a lot of horrible things going on. But if I can be a part of something where I can make a family feel strong about being together, but by writing a check and helping them with tax strap, like this is amazing. This is it. This is, and how do I help more people figure out what that little one thing is that they'll get up? And go to the dinner table and talk to their friend about why they gave to this organization or why this cause is important. How do I get people to talk more about their philanthropy and what they want to do? And that's really been a passion of mine. Yeah. Remarkable, first of all. And you've summarized it so well that you are helping other people think about their legacies, think about what matters most to them and how they can contribute appropriately to ensure the memories of them, the memories for their family continue. And it is a funny story, Julia. You thought, oh, yay, they're going to protect the ducks. And meanwhile, they're protecting lands in which they are hunting ducks. But not, but right, exactly, not judgmental because you can't be, right? You can't be. As you were sharing that aspect of that one example and how you are helping families, can you tell us a little bit more, because I asked this right away to you and obviously into your colleagues, about how would you describe what United Charitable does? We help social entrepreneurs create the legacy that they want. So whether you are a business owner and you really want to create a corporate giving program, an employee relief fund, a scholarship program, we can help you in that aspect. We help families figure out what's the best way to involve their next generation and keep their legacy alive. And it's through a series of conference calls like this that we can really do value exercises where we can figure out what your passions are and what makes you want to get up in the morning and keep fighting the fight to make the world the better in the way that you want to make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so United Travel really provides this boutique customized service to make sure that each of our families feel philanthropy. That is our goal. It is not just donating money and writing a check. We do donor videos. We do legacy videos. We have websites. I mean, we do all sorts of different types of things to make sure that philanthropy starts to feel like something that, that is part of your daily life. Yeah. So let me back up just a little bit and make sure I fully understand. And so our listeners also are understanding, if I, if I am passionate about um, animals, let's just say animals, and I can use actually a cousin of ours had of my mother's first cousin had passed away and he had cats and he left everything to an organization that helps cats. And I can't remember what it is, but, but everything, nothing to neighbors, friends, tennis, teammates, nothing else, but all to this organization that takes care of cats, right? That was his passion. Yeah. So that would be an example of working with an individual to say, hey, look, I'm a social entrepreneur. Um, could a client of yours, is that the right word, client? Yep. Okay, could a client of yours be a major corporation as well? Yep. So it's not always individuals, but it could be XYZ company, a startup, an established company that's been around for 100 years. And all of a sudden, we, you know what? We really need to make sure that we are embracing philanthropy because we believe it's the right thing. So you work with individuals as well as organizations to help them identify what their passions can be. Now, so Julia, so then on opposite end of that, so you have the givers, the donators. I'm not using any of the right words. You can correct me. Yeah. Donors. Then the receiving organizations, are there members of United Charitable or do you have access through database of, okay, Someone is, and I'm just going to make up something. Someone is interested in donating something to the left-handed single mothers of America. And I'm just totally making it like, do you know what those organizations are that need the help? Mm-hmm. And how does that work? I guess. So it's, so basically we run two different 
products. It's called donor advised funds and fiscally sponsored programs. And for the donor advised funds specifically, that's clients that donate their own money or corporations that donate their own money. And then they recommend the organizations that it goes to. We are able to support any organization in the United States that has their 501c3 status, a religious organization or educational institution. We also do international giving and we'll bet the NGO overseas. So that's kind of the benefit. But to go back to your specific question, we get clients all the time that come to us. Mm -hmm. They're affected by something. And so we had a, a gentleman that was like, I do not think that father's rights in the state of California is absolutely represented correctly. I think everything goes to the mom. We need to talk about what are the father's rights? How are there any organizations that are doing anything around father's rights in the state of California? Yeah. We're able specifically to find grassroots national and grassroots organizations to give him a, a plethora of not only impact reports, we can set up the calls with the organization. We do everything we can to make sure that you feel very comfortable with the organizations. And we found him five, five organizations that really were making a difference in their community. Yeah. The interesting part, Bar, I'll tell you the interesting part though, is that every client impact is a very different, they're like, what's the impact? But everybody's definition of impact is so different. That it is, that's so fun to me too, because some clients want these grassroots organizations that really can move the needle on 40 families. Mm -hmm. And that is something that they're very passionate about. Then I have some clients that are like, no, I want million dollars. I want organizations with endowment, with procedures. So impact is very different to each person. And and so it's really great to be able to present these five organizations on the spectrum of here's a grassroots one. Here's one that's more established. Here's some of the, they're all doing great work. Yeah. Tremendous. Tremendous. And before I met you and your colleagues, I had no idea that there was even an organization like United Charitable that are doing those types of things. And that's the reason. And I shared with you before I hit record, Julia, my goal is to have people become a fan of you, become a fan of Julia Healy, right, as an individual, and then become a fan of what you are doing and who you're doing it for and with. You explain everything extremely well. So I can understand. Do you have organizations that are coming to you to try to get additional exposure? So if I have, and I'm even having a hard time coming up with a a foundation or an organization that is looking for assistance. So we'll go with the left-handed single volleyball players. How's that? Uh, Do they come to try to expose your team on, this is what we do. I want you to think about us when when someone is coming to the table and they don't know who to donate the money to. uh, Are there opportunities for that? How does it work? We have not engaged in that. We try to stay as as unbiased. We don't want our clients to ever feel that we are pushing our agenda on them or organizations on them. But I will say I have met many organizations without my career that I absolutely love. And if a client did ask about them, I would say, hey, listen, this is my personal opinion, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not like a United Charitable stamp. Got it. Got it. So a few more questions, and this is really fascinating. And I know our listeners are learning tons. Do you believe when there is uncertainty in society and mm-hmm. civil unrest and there's war wars, multiple wars overseas and hostages being taken, do you find, does it affect the amount of giving that people want to do? It, it doesn't affect, I don't, it doesn't really, I haven't seen it affect the amount of giving, of giving they do. I haven't seen, I see it affect the type of giving they do. Mm-hmm. So most people's response to that is let me shore up my work. A lot of people's responses is let me shore up my community. What can I do right here to keep my community safe? What can I give into the schools? What can I do for the local homeless? Like it, when you have global events, sometimes it can make people look really inward to protect mm. what they can and give where they can, or you have the responses. And, and we saw this with the, when Canada had all the fires, mm-hmm. right? The response to that was more environmental. What can we do to make sure? How can we give to firefighters? It's more environmental organizations. So it's really, it's been very interesting to be in 
I guess, in the nonprofit field, especially for the last 13 years to see what happens when California, the mudslides happen, what happened when hurricanes happen, the Puerto Rico, like when all of these events happen, how people respond to it. And I love the individuality of that. Mm-hmm. I love that people are called, I know it, it goes back to what we said in the beginning, right? Like throughout our perspective, our life changes so much. And being a mom of two girls now, I have a nine and a six-year-old. 10 years ago, I wasn't giving to organizations that helped single moms because it wasn't it it wasn't my call then. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Now, I mean, I'm mar- like my we might husband have been together 18 years, married 11. And I'm like, how do people how do single moms do? And I'm very called now to give a lot of my time and money to those organizations. And that's what I love is about how when we all change. And we all go through different things in life, deaths and family, loss of parents. I mean, even a loss of a pet can change your perspective on things. Yes. Um, And so I think it's really amazing that our philanthropy gets to change just like we do. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to reinventing yourself, changing things up every six months, feeling who you are now. Mm -hmm. My belief, based on what I'm hearing from you, Julia, is that the giving People are donating, people are supporting based on how they're feeling now. And you are aligning organizations that need the help, the nonprofits that need the help, the educational groups that need the help to make sure that you are fulfilling this light of energy that they have toward giving so that there's a match. They feel good when they give. The organizations that are receiving also need it. And they are allowing themselves to feel who they are now and give to what they want to give to who now. But I'm going to have to edit that last sentence. <laughs> I added too many words. No, that, but, but yeah, like yeah. we don't necessarily match for organizations. A lot of our donors know where they want to give. They just want to like that and make sure that the organizations they're supporting are strong and doing and, and filing all the right filing. Um, but what you're saying, I think, is really important in the sense that our donors and people that give in general sometimes can feel, and, and you asked me one of the questions that I was on for preparing yeah. for the podcast, I have one of the, the questions, but most people still feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about themselves to the philanthropist mm-hmm. or saying that they give or talking about the organizations that they're giving to you because it's a judgment. Right. For example, Bart, let's say you prefer dogs to cats. Mm-hmm. What are your listeners or what are you like? How about all the cat people out there? Like how annoyed and angry are they going to be with you that you preferred up? So I think it's making people feel very comfortable to talk about what is their passions are. It is okay that I truly believe that a light was put inside each one of us and that we are very much to fight for the causes that we believe in and that we're passionate about. And if we all collectively did it, yeah, the world would just naturally lift, right? Because we were all fighting in the, the places to make the world the, the better, the way that we want to see it better because that was placed inside us. And if you really look at that, we do, I'm a dog person. You may be a cat person, right? I'm a single mom. So you may be fighting for a parent, for, right? Everything that we do collectively can make the world a better place. And I want people to feel very comfortable being very honest about, I'm really supporting my my local soup kitchen. I think it is the most important thing with food insecurity in this country. And I want people to be able to feel passionate and secure talking about it. That's- no, and Julia, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I'm rarely at a loss for words. But I, when I was trying to come up with an example of a nonprofit, I came up with left-handed single mothers and right. after I said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I probably shouldn't have said that because what about the single fathers? And then I was going to reference a religious group that a friend of mine has. And I thought I better not do that because this is right non-secular. And mm-hmm. I better not talk about dogs or cats or monkeys or loving ducks or wanting to hunt ducks because so that's a really terrific thing of what you all are doing. <clears throat> you are enabling people to feel comfortable in their choices. You are non-judgmental. You're giving them options. You're helping them to leave a legacy. So many amazing things. Your approach of what United Charitable was doing, your leadership for what you're doing. The aspect of 
you had said you can feel comfortable fighting for a cause. And if we all do it, and I guess that's my whole premise with most people don't as a company, which is again, why this is amazing. And Julia, thank you for having me on your change maker podcast next week. I can't wait. Yeah. But it's my wife asked me, no, my friend asked me the other day, we had a little brainstorming session. Shout out to Michelle DeCarroll, who was also on my podcast before. But she said, what do you want the future of most people don't to look like? And I said, I want to change the name. I want to change the name. Instead of most people don't, most people do. Or everyone does. Or you do, right? Something along those lines, because then that is the effect when people are taking action, when people see something, don't ignore somebody. And you're shaking your head. Yes. Tell me more. Because because this drives, this has been, I don't know what Karen, how I learned this life lesson, but I was told at a very early age Sitting in still water does nobody any good. I don't know if that's an account. I have no idea. I didn't know what it meant earlier. But for me, if we, people can get very paralyzed and they don't want to change because they're afraid of what it's going to look like, or they're afraid that they're going to start doing a, a scholarship for girls and they don't know what that's going to look like. And I mean, our scholarship program, you can give away $250 to, I mean, that we're not talking about millions of dollars here. We have programs that are very big, big 10th of your programs. And we also have programs that are $2,000 a year, $250 a year. So we're very scaled in that. But sitting in still water, if you actually think about it, like you're just, so you're so paralyzed to change. You just sit there. You don't, you're afraid to move because you don't know what to do. And I was always under the impression that if I made the decision and tried something and it didn't work, I would just try something else. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, I want that to be like, you may try your philanthropy out and you say, okay, the soup kitchen, you go and you do it. And you're like, this is not me. Mm-hmm. So you give up mm-hmm. and you go make pick trash up on the side of the road. You try volunteerism a different way. You try a tutoring program. What are your strengths? What else can you do? We, we can't just sit still. We have to try different things to figure out yeah. who we are and what we want. Oh, and that, And that's deep. Right. And that's meaningful. And that's what life is all about. And I'll share just one last quick story. And I don't know if I told you this when we chatted before, but at one point I was working for a big organization and we were helping to repair individual homes. Uh, And it was not anything that I had selected. It wasn't um, an organization that I was aware of. It wasn't one that I selected. But we all wore the same red T-shirt, and this is what we we're going to do for the day. We go and we start to repair different aspects of a home and clean the inside and cut the grass and do all these other things. And I'm hesitant to say this. I'm not sharing the name of the organization, but the family pulled up and the family had, let's say, three young children aged 16 to 18 That appeared to be physically able to do the work that we were also doing. And they were there and they watched us because we all had red shirts on. And the family watched us repair and clean their house. And it didn't make me feel very good. Because if you are physically able to help, let's do it together. Let's do it together. So that turned me off to that one example. And then uh, fast forward 40 years, I'm in Pittsburgh last year, Christmas Eve, downtown Pittsburgh, and it's minus 11 degrees. We're getting ready to go to this Steeler game because my nephew on his birthday, that's what he wanted to do, minus 11 degrees. And we're walking through a part of town called the Strip District. And there's a guy that is just wearing essentially like a jean jacket. I think he had maybe a baseball cap on, but obviously not enough to stay. Well, I I was frozen wearing ski stuff in 18 layers. And he he had a little sign, right? Anything that you can do. I'm glad that I am more observant to people that need help. I didn't dismiss him. I didn't 
think oh, if I give him a dollar or buy him a cup of coffee, he's just going to, well, if I give him a dollar, he's going to use it for drugs. So I bought him a drink and I said, do you have any, it's going to get colder tonight. Do you have anything? Do you have a blanket? Do you have a scarf? Do you have anywhere to go? And he said, later at a certain point, he could go to this shelter. And I said, what are you going to do in the meantime? And he's just, I'm going to wait here. So I went into, and I don't want this to be about me, but it's just an example of how I've learned. I went into a little store and I bought him a Steelers scarf because we were in Pittsburgh. And it was a really big one that could almost double like a blanket. And I gave it to this guy named Chris. I asked what his name was. And um, that probably, that helped him. I'm sure, right? Seeing somebody and then helping him. But what surprised me is that when I went into the store to buy it, I told the store owner what I was doing. That there's a gentleman that's freezing out there. He's homeless. I'm going to buy him a scarf. The other customer in the store also heard and said, oh, that's a nice idea. And I was hoping that the store owner would say, you're buying a scarf. Let me throw in a hat. Yeah. Thousands of hats. I was hoping the customer next to me would have said, tell me where he is. Let me buy him a jacket. Right. And it was Christmas Eve, for goodness sakes. Right. And no one else did that. Now, I don't want to feel bad. This is not a story about how great I am and how bad others are. But I think the more that we share examples and stories about it is possible to do this. It is possible to learn to do that. Right, What you all are doing, Julia, what United Charitable is doing, what your team members are doing, you're making pe- people feel comfortable and realizing that they can contribute. It's not difficult. It's not. And there is a children's book that I read that my daughter brought home about a year ago. I have a little request. This is Bart, the founder of Most People Don't. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably familiar with my name and my voice. A friend recently said, Bart, you really need to remind people to like, subscribe, comment, and share. The purpose of this quick little message is to do exactly that. We're putting out some tremendous content. You, as our listeners, have been extremely loyal. You gave us a perfect 5.0 score, and you are also sharing it. Thanks to your support, our podcast received recognition of being the top 15% most shared podcast in the world. We want to make sure that we continue to do this and more. So if you're liking the content, please continue to like it, to comment, to share, subscribe, do all those great things. In addition to the podcast, you can find more resources at mostpeopledon't.com. That's where you could get a copy of uh, our best-selling book, Most People Don't and Why You Should, still in the top 1% of Amazon book sales. It's available there. Lastly, and probably most importantly, I want people to know that I am a motivational speaker full-time now. I completed my first TEDx talk in New York City, and this podcast is a way for me to share ideas with terrific individuals that are doing some exceptional things. As my main business is keynote speaking, I also do sales and service training, and we have a lot of different topics that we customize based on the needs of our clients. So keynote speaking, sales and service training, really by doing what most people don't do. I've had the pleasure of speaking in front of groups as small as 10 up to 4,000 people. It is certainly my passion. If you know of a group or an organization, big or small, for-profit, not-for-profit, that needs a dose of inspiration, they need a boost of motivation, I'd love to receive your referrals. Just send me an email. Easy. Bart at most people don't. Just an email introduction. There are so many people these days that need to hear good messages. We want to be able to share more. Actually, the beginning of last year, right? And it's called Just Help. And it is a children's book. And it is Just Help. See the piece of trash on the floor that needs to go in the trash can? Put it in the trash can. Hold the door open for somebody. Ask somebody about what they're passionate about. Ask somebody when they're sad how you can help. It is literally about recognizing that we are just not alone in this world, that connection is what it's meant to be. How can we help each other? It was so funny because I'm like, if this is a children's book, can we just make every human in the world read this? And if everybody just had that perspective, right? What can we do to just help? It's absolutely, literally, what can our world be? 
Yes. Um, yeah. What you, you're giving me tons of great ideas. I might have to buy a stack of just help children's books and hand them out next to my most people don't books when I'm on stage. That's one thing. Yeah. Uh, and the second thing, you'll laugh at this, the newsletter that I do weekly, uh, and this will be promoted. We'll send this out in about two weeks or three weeks, Julia. But the newsletter that I'm getting ready to send, and I'll make sure I send you a copy. The subject line is, I'm at Target. Do you need anything? Okay. And what that was, it's a story, simply a story about my 25-year-old son that has moved home since he finished school in Europe. And he was at Target the other day, and he just sent a note to me and my wife. I'm at Target. Do you need anything? Just help. How simple is that? And then it goes on to share other stories about what other people have done with me just recently and for me. I'm at a coffee shop the other day. And a little toddler starts to push the door to go open. There's steps outside in, in a busy street on Market Street. Three other patrons, not the parents, three other patrons, including me, jumped up to go stop this kid from going out the door. Just help, right? Don't sit there and be judgmental. It's the parent's responsibility. No, just help. Love it. Love it. Julia, this is absolutely Amazing. I am so proud to know you. I'm honored to know you, what your beliefs are and how you are helping. What suggestions would you have for our listeners? Two things. I want to make sure we're promoting United Charitable. So I want to make sure that we're telling them where to go. And then what is one suggestion that you could have that you would offer for people to start doing? Huh. Two things. Tell us where to look for United Charitable. So I'm going to plot two things here. So Please. United Charitable, unitedcharitable.org. You can see our website. You can see some of the projects we run. You can see some of our donor stories. And so that's amazing. The other thing that I also want to plug is my podcast. Yes. Higher Change Makers. What Bart will be on is shortly. But here, there I'm also, and you can find that on the website as well. You can, it's on Spotify, everywhere, Apple. But you can really... Again, listen to a lot of the people that are changing that have decided to take action. And those are the people that I'm so, like somebody like you, right? Yeah. Somebody is promoting, moving and doing and being. And so it's really about all the people that have really started to inspire change in the world. And so that's incredibly exciting. And the number one thing that I really would suggest people to do is to start listening to that voice about mm-hmm. when they walk by something and say, oh, I don't, this doesn't feel right to me. Oh, I wish this was better. Or I wish this was different. Or I wish my kids had more of this or that. You have those thoughts. Then you can start to think, okay, how can I get involved? How can I make it better? Trying to changing it from that, what is the solution oriented? You know what I'm, do you know what I'm talking about with that? Yes. Yeah, of course. And so, oh God, there's a lot of trash in this park. Okay, could I organize it? Could I ask my friends? Can I help my kids? Can I do it part of their soccer team, volunteerism? Is there some community service at Girl Scouts or right? The, can I bring this up? Or can I start sending $50 a month to help an after-school kid get access to books, right? There's so many little things that we can do, but yeah. we just start really honoring that voice that's inside us that tells us what we're uncomfortable with or what we don't like or what we wish we, we could change. Okay. And do you, last part, I promise, do you think the example of the coffee shop, the little kid that was running toward the door, three of us got up. Yeah. There were 27 people, hypothetically, in that coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Three of us got up, stood up off of our chairs, yeah. put our coffee down, and rushed to the door. Yeah. Do you believe that people, and I'm not even sure how to phrase this, and then, do you think people have the voice? Because 24 people didn't see it. Do people have the voice of, and I use the term when I present, uh, um, observe, anticipate, and over-deliver. You you have to be observing first, be able to see that there's something that doesn't fit well in my heart. I see trash. I see something. I see abuse. I see neglect. I see whatever the case is. Do you think that and this is, again, not even sure how to phrase this. Do you think people do see? And do you think that they have the voice? And if they don't, how can they get it? Go ahead. 
So I inherently do. I think it's just silence or the attention is, your focus is different. I think with electronics today, a lot of us are on our phones and focused on one thing. Mm -hmm. I think I I do. And and this is just my personal opinion. So we'll go here. I think a lot of people are overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities that are in their world that thinking about something outside themselves is very hard when you already feel that you are taking on so much. But I do think the voice is there. I just think you've got to listen to it. I think that's, and I think we have to just take a break to at times to realize the world around us. And we've joked about this the first time that we met or the first time we did a Zoom call and just like being in a coffee shop and and people watching and seeing the people around you and taking observance of this. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's being done as much as it's been done in the past. And I think there's a lot to be said about starting to listen to the voice that's inside us because it's put there for a reason. I agree. There are so many distractions and there are so many attempts to feel good, to get the dopamine hit, to get the next jolt, to get the next energy, to get whatever. But if we do, we stop and we pause and we look at the world around us. I am so impressed when I go to a coffee shop and I see someone that is journaling, someone that is reading a book, someone that is just stopping and open to conversations. And a friend of mine had used this term a long time ago, said they're available to be interrupted. Can I ask you a question now? Yeah. And I know we're over time, but do you think, and, and, and tell me that life gives us opportunities all the time and it's us and it's our job to recognize them mm. and it's our job to then pursue them. And you don't know when you're like, and I'll quickly tell a story if you don't mind. If I tell yes, one more story. Um, you don't know when that opportunity is going to present itself. So I took over in 2019, we get, and I was only interim, right? So I was interim president and CEO and we get six months later, we get COVID. I could have taken that a very different direction. We started a positivity and perseverance campaign. We highlighted, we didn't talk about all the negative side. We all knew the negative side of COVID, right? But we talked about what people were doing and all of these different things. And it's an opportunity Every time, if you look at life, like, here's the opportunity, here's what I can make of it. It can change your world. And the big, biggest example of this is I love my team. Is, and the fact that we started this conversation with my team radiates the same energy and the same will of what United Charitable does as I do just makes me so proud of my organization. Yeah. But I, one of my teammates was out sick and never, this is the guy that never leaves the office. Do you know what I'm talking about? He's my compliance manager. So think of what a compliance manager looks like. That is him, right? Do you know what I mean? Like the tie never leaves. will like barrel through anything. And I ended up um, being on phones and I ended up talking to somebody that was doing something, but had a connection to the NFL. And I, we started just randomly having a conversation. And I said, Hey, listen, I really want to bring my solutions to professional athletes. And he goes, Oh, okay. I may have some connections for you. He said, well, why professional athletes? And I went into my pitch, professional mm-hmm. athletes, raise money, can affect community, can influence. I went into my whole thing. And I was like, and I really think that we have viable products to them. I just have no connection to the NFL. How would I get in? He introduced me to introduce me. And all of a sudden I'm flying to Atlanta meeting with somebody who worked for the NFL Players Association. And I said, okay. And I really had such a connection. He's now my VP, Hannibal Davies. He works for United Charitables. He leads my whole professional athletes division. But at that time, I was like, I need you to build something for me. I, You were a professional athlete. You played in the league for 10 years. You worked for the NFL Player Association for eight years after that. Athletes. How can I build a solution that's going to bring philanthropy and make it accessible to them? Again, fast forward, we have AJ Brown, we have Stefan Diggs, we have Champ Bailey, but we have a list of, we have a, it's called Athletes Charitable for our Professional Athletes Division, bringing our professional athletes. But it would have never happened mm-hmm. if I did not pick up, if I just let that voice, if I could have let that call go to voicemail. Right. We know customer service is most important to United Charitable. I'm filling in for somebody, let me go. Mm-hmm. And I call, and then I said, here's what I want. Here's what my vision is. Here's what I really want to do. Like all of these things. And look what happens. I mean, literally three years, like that was in 2020. We're looking at four years later, we have 30 athletes. We've done numerous amounts of backpacks, giveaway, turkey giveaway, Wendell. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. 
Wow. I mean, and what a great way to end this conversation. Joey, I know you and I are going to continue the conversation. I will promote the heck out of Julia Healy, H-E-A-L-E-Y, President and CEO of United Charitable. I suggest our listeners go to unitedcharitable.org, learn some more. My takeaways, life gives us opportunities. It's our job to pursue them. Check out United Charitable's podcast called Inspired Change Makers. Very important. And again, blessed and fortunate and honored to be your guest, I guess, next week. Holy cow. And then lastly, I'm always looking for what words or what phrase is going to lead to the title of this episode. And I have a couple of different things. One is just help. And it might be just as simple as that. Just help. United Charitable makes it easy for you to just help. And then also, I love the example or the analogy of sitting in still water is not doing anyone any good. It's not exercise for you. You're not creating ripples or waves for anyone else to joy to enjoy the balance of the water, the way like it's not really going to do anything. So let's make sure that when we have the ideas, when we listen to the voice in our head, ask some questions, how can I just help? Julia, absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Last word to you before we conclude. And uh, I know this went a little longer, but I appreciate your time. It's these are the types of conversations that matter. But last word to you, Julia. I really do just appreciate that you are inspiring people to move. And I think that the more people that are talking about how possible and easy it can be, the more that we're going to see change. And so I am just honored to be a guest on your show. And I am just honored in, in I like the title because I, I do. I like most people don't because it shows exactly that we could be doing more and i love it so thanks thank you so much for having me on now my pleasure julia healy president and ceo of united charitable based in northern virginia grateful thank you thank you so much 